Good morning, Village Church East Online. It's good to see you this morning. Welcome to Sunday worship. You've already been singing and worshiping, um, and now we get to receive God's word together. And I want to assure you that as you're meeting in your homes and you're worshiping around the television screen, your church family is as well. Uh, our family is gathered right now, and we're receiving God's word at this point in time. And uh, our goal in all of this uh, isolation period is that we do everything to stay together. So we are going to keep doing a lot of things that we're normally doing, including communion. So here's your opportunity to run to the kitchen, elect somebody from among you that will run to the kitchen, get a couple of glasses of juice, some crackers or bread or whatever you have in there. We did communion last week. We're going to do that every week because that's a celebration of our being together. Even though we're not together in body, we are together as a church in different homes. And so uh, take advantage of that. Do it now. And while they're doing that, let me give you a heads up on our uh, one of the things that we found that we really have enjoyed as a leadership is watching your comments as you're watching this service. So uh, this is the only time that I'm going to condone talking in church. But I would encourage you if you if you want to to write some notes on there and just say uh, just let us know that you're there. Um, and even if you don't want to write anything, God bless you uh, because you're captivated with God's word this morning. Uh, would you just sign your name so we know who's on? The, so if you have a you know a different name for your email, um, replace that with your name so we can be sure that. Um, we know who's attending church each Sunday and, and you're, being, uh, you're being fed spiritually. Uh, that would be a great encouragement to us. There's also CG questions that are included in the hub. And one, some of our groups, actually, some of our families have taken those CG questions, the community group questions, and they've discussed the sermon right after it's over, which is kind of a unique thing to do. If you're already in a community group, we are meeting. We're meeting on Zoom every single week. Our group met this week. We had a great time. I think we had more conversation than we normally do. Everybody seemed really uh, open and transparent, and we had a wonderful time. Uh, I know Brent has his group meeting, and I'm, I'm assuming the other groups are meeting as well. I haven't heard any feedback yet, but I'm anxious to hear how they're going. If you are not in a community group, we are beginning this week virtual community groups. So if you've been attending Village Church East for any, any length of time, uh, we are going to put your name in a group. Uh, you're not going to get uh, junk mail or anything like that. No, don't worry. But we are going to put your name in a group because we want to make sure that you're cared for. And so we're calling these virtual community groups. We'll put a leader in charge of these groups. And uh, we would love for these groups to just check on each other. There's only a few families in each group, but we would love for them to just check on each other and make sure they're okay. We're calling them five-minute fellowships. So these five-minute fellowships will include questions like, how are you doing? Uh, any new challenges in your life, how can we pray for you? Real short, real sweet. You can call on the phone to a family in your group. You can text somebody who's in your group. But our goal is that the church cares for the church. And uh, so we're really excited about these virtual community groups. And uh, you may experience that in the near future. Uh, a phone call from somebody and you may find out that you're in this group. Feel free to check on the others. And uh, I know some of you are already doing that. God bless you. I know our church really does a fine job of caring for one another in need. Well, the message this morning is actually all about that. It's about times of crisis that constantly reveal the deepest parts in us sometimes. Uh, I went to a, um, to a guy's house, a friend's house uh, that I knew. He, was, he had been a friend for a while. He and his wife had had some challenges in their relationship. This was many years ago. 
But I still remember the visit because I was, I had been meeting with him and helping him work through some of the relationship issues between he and his wife. And they were doing a good job and, and the Lord had given them some, some uh, amazing victories over the time, but they had hit a snag and they just didn't seem to be able to get over this barrier. And instead of it getting better, it ended up kind of going a little bit south um, to the place where he was convinced that they could no longer reconcile. So I went right over to his house and I sat down with him and I told him that everybody loved, loved him at church and were there for him, were praying for him and his wife. Um, and we wanted to be sure that he was cared for, uh, but held accountable at the same time. It was interesting as I talked to him, um, I I'd never had a problem talking to this guy in the past. He and I were, were pretty good friends. But that day when I met with him, uh, his demeanor had completely changed. I had seen him serve in different areas of the church. I'd seen his heart for the Lord. But as I talked to him on that day, when he said, that's it, I can't do anymore. And I went over and I chatted with him. I saw his demeanor completely change. I was sitting down across from him. He was sitting down across from me and he rose up out of his chair, um, visibly angry that, um, that I was challenging him to, to keep on being faithful. And I had just told him, I said, listen, you're in a leadership position and it seems like you're, on, you're, you're not making the strides that you need to be making. And so we need to pull you back from your church positions. And he rose up out of his chair and he was visibly angry and he demanded to know whose decision this was. And I told him it was the elder's decision. And then he asked me, yeah, but what did you vote when you, when you talked about it? And I said, I agreed with him. I think it's time for you to step down and devote your time to making reconciliation right, doing the things you need to do with your family. And so... His face grew red and, and he just demanded at that point that I leave the house. He told me to get out of his house. I never came back to church. I, I, I saw him on a couple of different occasions, um, but I had never seen him behave that way before. And I genuinely, there's a part of me that was genuinely scared. I was there alone. I didn't know what he was capable of. When the chips are down and the crisis moments come into our lives, it's interesting to see what comes out of us. So how do we handle the difficult crisis? How do we handle the difficult moments of our lives? And if you follow Jesus, how do you handle his revelation as he pours over the details of your life and reveals those to you day by day? What comes out of me when God turns the pages of my life? How have I been responding in this season of the coronavirus? Now listen, there's no condemnation here. Um, I'm just grateful that you're here and you're listening and you're part of our, our worship time that we're having this morning. And, and, and bravo, you're taking steps in the right direction. You have every reason to be disengaged even at this point, but you're listening and you're here because you want to hear the word of the Lord. And, and you should know also, full revelation, I'm struggling myself with this whole process. So you're in good company today. God is revealing in my life some major flaws that I didn't know were there, but in this process have become very apparent things I need to be confronted with and things I need to, 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 to challenge. There are at least two kinds of calls in our lives. There's a ministry call. This is every person, every follower of Jesus Christ. If you follow Jesus Christ, you have a ministry call. That is God's gift to serve him with. But there's also interrupting calls out of the ordinary, ill-prepared for, ill-timed, 
interruptions in our lives and all from God. So whether it's a ministry calling or an interrupting calling in my regular life, these calls that we're going to be talking about this morning is based at its very core, any responsibility that God asked for me to take on. Calling is like a book of our life. It's when we realize that God has turned a page of our lives and we have a whole new unfamiliar chapter that now we have to get used to. And we don't know what's in the next chapter. Like we're reading a book, we don't know what's coming. But once God turns the page, we realize when we come face to face with the new details of life, suddenly we realize some things we might have yet to work on. In this story that we're talking about today, we're actually jumping back to Moses um, because his life is about to change. And I, I was thinking, I was sitting down with Michael and the, and the pastoral staff, and I was thinking to myself, what should we talk about that would meet us where we're at in our world today? And, and our minds just went right back to Moses because this is where Moses is at. Moses' page is about to turn in his life. He argues with God, I don't want this job. I don't want to turn the page. And he finally realizes he has to. And today we get to realize, we get to see how that looked for him. For, the, for Moses, the pages are about to change just like they do in our lives. In Moses' day, Israel was desperate. They were anxious for redemption. They were crying out to God. They were in survival mode. They were in desperation crying out to God. Moses is in existing mode. He's just trying to, to get by from day to day. He's not thinking Godward. He's just comfortable. He has a family. He has a position of respect. He's in charge of a, 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 of a group of people and a, and a responsibility in his house. He, he has children. And, and he had been neglecting his relationship with God. When he met God at the burning bush, he didn't even know who he was talking to. God's calling is about to change for Moses and it's about to change for Israel. And our hope is that they don't just thrive. They don't just, you know, go to survival mode or they don't, they don't just exist, but that they thrive. We want them to grow. We want them to evolve and to grow through the experience. And while we look back at the story and we see how Moses grew through this, he didn't know. He's about to go through some pretty amazing experiences. And our prayer for him is that, and his prayer for him is that hopefully he'll grow through, through them. So the best deal is to go God's way. And so we watch Moses walk away from the burning bush and we hold our breath, hoping to ourselves that Moses is all in on this call, that he'll follow God, that he's done arguing, and that the stretching would create a brand new concrete golden, um, golden heart for Moses. So take your Bibles and open up to Exodus 4.18, and let's see what the next chapter is in Moses' life. We will discover as you go there in Exodus 4 and verse 18, Moses was not quite where he needed to be yet. But look at what God provides for him, clarity in all of this. Verse 18, Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt. I love that. He's in. Please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see whether they're still alive. Jethro said to Moses, go in peace. And the Lord said to, said to Moses in Midian, this is while he's still back home, go to Egypt. For all the men who are seeking your life are dead. 
So Moses took his wife and his sons and had them ride on a donkey and went back to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the staff of God in his hand. Can you see all this preparation that God has done for him? In his calling, Moses was getting clarity. And I would say to you and to me, in our calling, whatever the next chapter in our lives is, God will always give us some sort of clarity. For Moses, look at the clarity that he had. He had everything that he needed in order to do this, this journey. God had been prepping the whole situation for him. He had, he had his wife and his kids, and they're on board. He has in-laws. Jethro was his boss. Jethro said, go, go, go ahead. He had paid time off. He's good. He's good, ready to go to Egypt. He had resources, donkeys, and perhaps a caravan to carry his, his family across the Sinai. He was equipped. He had the staff of God in his hand. And he, had the, and he had the timing of God. It was right. The enemies that you used to have are all dead. God had taken care of the whole playing field. And now he said, Moses, the time is right. Turn the page and get going. Did you know that God gives us in scripture a means so that we know what his calling is for our lives? Sometimes we kind of wonder, like, what college should I go to or what uh, what job should I apply for? And I got two jobs that I've applied for and I can take either one. Which one should I take? And what relationship should I have? And and we, we have all these questions and we hope to God that he'll write in the sky. And he doesn't. But he does give us means so that we can understand what his calling is for us. The first one is the Spirit of God. Don't sell the Spirit of God short. The Spirit of God will will witness with our spirit on a constant basis. And he will give us this, this, this assurance that this is God's call. Now be careful with this one, because if you only go by this one, it could lead you into some pretty dangerous situations. Here's why. I've heard so many people say, God told me blank. Well, there's no way to argue with that. God told me blank. I can't argue with that. I wasn't there. I'm not God. You got our conversation. God told you. But I can say this. Don't go solely by the idea that God told me this. There are more ways to check your calling from God. Number two, check the word of God. God will never contradict himself. He will never tell you to do something that he would not do in order to get you to where you think you need to go. He'll never contradict who he is to pull out the calling in your life. The third thing is the people of God. This is a huge benefit from having a church family. You can exhibit gifts on a regular basis in church and the church will validate those gifts and they'll say, yes, you should follow that calling because I've seen you do this. I've seen you serve in this way. I've seen your heart of whatever it is. And they'll be able to help you understand, validate, affirm what that calling might be from God. The fourth one is the authority God has placed over you. This could be family. This could be, uh, this could be parents. This could be elders in the church. God has put you in your current calling, where you are right now, the chapter you are in right now, so that you can be prepared for the next chapter. And so all of the authority figures in your life right now, you should look to them and see what they think about the calling that you're following next in your life. And the last one is open doors. The open doors, this is a, this is a great one because the first, the, the first door might open but the next door might shut. So you need to be really careful with open doors. Open doors simply might seem like a yes, but the circumstances or the timing is off. And so watch for open doors. Keep track if, if you believe you're confirmed by God by following each one of these open doors. And in the process, church, keep your hands open. 
Because when you go into a calling from God, think to yourself, it has to be this or nothing. You'll miss the calling almost every time. You leave your hands open and you say, God, I believe that you're giving me this calling. I'm heading in this direction. I've checked with my church. I've checked with the authorities that are over me. I've looked for open doors. The Holy Spirit is confirming it. Uh, the church has confirmed it and different things that I've done. The word of God does not say that it's wrong to do. So I'm going to move in this direction. But God may say, yes, that's right. But the timing's not right. So watch for those open doors and hold those hands open. God may need to veer you in one direction or another. So in your calling, number two, in your calling, expect obstacles. Uh, this is uh, not only should you aim for clarity, but you should expect obstacles. Just because something is different or difficult doesn't mean it's not from God. In other words, because something is hard to do doesn't necessarily mean God's not behind it. Obstacles have a way of refining us in our calling. Look at what happens to Moses, verse 21. And the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles I have put into your power, but I will harden his heart so that the people, he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, the Lord Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. But you, if you refuse Pharaoh to let him go, I will kill your firstborn son. God is saying to Moses, listen, this is your calling. Stop arguing, get going. But I'm going to put some obstacles in your path. And those obstacles are going to refine you. It's going to be a rough ride, Moses. And I'm prepping you for that now. God's judgment is profound in this. God literally lives on the next pages of our lives. And he knows and has planned for Pharaoh's heart to be obstinate and proud. Moses doesn't know all the details yet, but God does. And God tells Moses exactly how serious this whole process is going to get. In fact, he says, Moses, after a whole bunch of difficult stuff that you're going to see and go through, if Pharaoh does not agree, I'm going to take his firstborn children. If he doesn't let my firstborn go, Israel. God knew something about what was going to happen that Moses did not. God knew he's sending Moses to war. Moses didn't know that. And he was going to be at war with Pharaoh's pride. And this war would end with swift and painful consequences for the whole country of Egypt. If you think that's harsh, God begins the training with Moses himself. Can you imagine? I wonder, before we get to that, I wonder what Moses would have thought. God, you're going to kill the firstborn? What kind of a God is this? It's a serious thing, Moses. Your calling is serious. Take it serious. And Moses gets to go through a process of learning firsthand. A sermon is useless unless the pastor goes through the process first. <laughs> sometimes that's tough. Sometimes God gives me real-time experiences so that I can preach the messages he's put on my heart in better ways. So I kind of feel for Moses because Moses gets to number three, and that is in your calling, expect exposure. Look at the next verse 24. At a lodging place along the way, the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. 
Then Zipporah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it and said, Surely you're a bridegroom of blood to me. Weird, weird things happening here. I'll get to it in a second. So he, God, let him alone. It was then that he, she said, a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. Let me just tell you, church, as you follow God in your calling, your heart is going to be exposed. As you turn the pages God has for you in his book, pages of your life, your heart becomes more exposed. The hymn in this passage, I believe to be Moses' son. Now, this is interesting because a lot of theologians say this is Moses. A lot of them say that it is Moses' son. I believe that it's Moses' son because of several reasons. And those will become clear in just a second. But for now, we can agree in the fact that Moses, there's something holding Moses back. Moses is not following God's call completely. Otherwise, God wouldn't get mad at him and Zipporah wouldn't have had to step in. After arguing with God at least five times at the burning bush, he finally surrenders to go. But I don't think Moses is all in yet. He keeps back the task of circumcising his son. He keeps back the task of dedicating his family completely to God. Moses is shirking his responsibilities as father of the house. He knew the Abrahamic covenant. It was over a thousand years old at this point. He knew Jews get circumcised, yet he did not circumcise his son. Now Moses may or may not have been circumcised at, at this point, but the lack of his willingness to do it with his family demonstrated he was not all in. He had a clear call from God. He was given the provisions by God. His wife is on board. Her family's on board. His dad and father-in-law is on board. But Moses is trying to get away with little pieces of disobedience. And here's the irony. And the irony is why I believe this is Moses' son and not Moses himself. Here's why. Moses is about to call on Pharaoh to let God's son free. Let God's firstborn go. It's interesting that in the passage just before this, verse 22, look how, he, look how God writes this. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. And I don't think Moses should have taken this lightly. God is saying Israel is his firstborn son, and he is deeply in love with Israel. He's going to rescue Israel. And if Pharaoh doesn't let him, he's going to take Pharaoh's firstborn son. But then we get back to Moses. And what did Moses do with his son? Nothing. In fact, this is why I think Zipporah got so angry. Because the Lord comes and threatens the life of this child because of Moses' disobedience up to this point. Look at, look at where it says, he met him at a lodging point. This means that they were on their way. They're on their way across the Sinai. They've already begun the journey. Lots of time has passed. Moses has had every opportunity to circumcise his son and dedicate his family to what the Lord wants him to do, to be God's people, which is what circumcision was all about. But because he dragged his feet, God comes along, probably the capital L-O-R-D is a pre-incarnate form of Jesus Christ. God appears and he's going to take the life of the firstborn and Zipporah at a lodging place with the first thing she finds, a flint, has to, has to do the circumcision that Moses should have done. And I think that's why Mo, uh, Zipporah got so angry. Moses had been dragging his feet and Zipporah got stuck with the job. 
This is not a planned event anymore. This is a life or death thing. If we don't cut, then God will kill. Listen, God will constantly challenge a leader who's half in and not all in. Moses dragged his feet for so long, Jesus has to step in. And as you follow Christ, your heart will be exposed, whether you are all in or you've got one foot still out. It is during our calling that we become refined vessels, whether or not we really are people of trust and obedience, or whether we want to keep one foot back from God and just be mostly in. Humility is the key here. Humility helps us to walk through every new chapter that God reveals in our calling. Listen, you will make mistakes. I have made mistakes. Even this, this week, I've made mistakes. And God keeps revealing my heart to me. Humility is key. Humble yourselves. Admit those revealed flaws. Ask for forgiveness. And turn the next page. Now Moses is able, now that Zipporah has done the deed and Sipporah and he have reconciled, Moses is able to deliver this message with conviction, which brings us to the last thing. In your calling, expect provision. And for provision, what we meet is confirmation. Verse 27, the Lord said to Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. Remember, Aaron is Moses' brother that he grew up with 40 years earlier. So he went, Aaron met and met, went and met him at the mountain of God and kissed him. It is only after this monumental event in Moses' life that God allows him to meet up with Aaron. Aaron goes to the mountain of God. My question is, how did he know where to go? Obviously, God was working in Aaron's heart and God was working in Moses' heart. And he had the meet in the middle. God directed Aaron to the Sinai, to Mount Sinai, where he would meet Moses. And they had a good reunion. Verse 28, which is also of the Lord. Verse 28, then Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord with which he had sent him to speak and showed him all the signs that he had commanded him to do. And Moses and Aaron went together and gathered all the elders of the people of Israel. Aaron believed Moses and he risked his life to go with him back to Egypt. I don't know how Aaron got out of Egypt. He risked his life to get out. He risked his life to go back. He's a slave. And yet he goes back with Moses. That takes a lot of belief. Verse 30, and Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did signs in the sight of the people. Aaron spoke the words of Moses. Complete trust in what his brother was doing. Verse 31, here's the result. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and they worshiped. God was providing everything Moses needed to complete his calling. God had worked on Aaron. God had worked on the elders. God had put all these plans together, gave him resources, changed his family's heart. God had put all these plans together so that Moses could complete his calling. And let me tell you, church, you have no idea the prep work that God is doing for, for you as well. We don't know what God does in the background. That's why we pray that our spiritual eyes may be opened and that may, we may see what God is doing in the background of our lives. And if God is turning the pages in your life, he's already done everything necessary for you to succeed in the next chapter. You have no idea what God has done to prepare you for the areas he has called you to go into. I love this verse, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9. 
As it is written, No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. I want to tell you, church, this verse in a context that I, I think is kind of English easy to understand. Sometimes we think of this as heaven. You have no idea what God has prepared for us in heaven, but it's more than that. You have no idea what God has prepared for you in life. In this life, in the next chapter you're going to face. God has prepped every chapter of your life for what you're about to read, for what you're about to experience. God reveals when it's time for you to move to the next chapter. So church, feel confident. God has this. You cannot imagine, this verse says, what comes next. Look at verse 31. And the people believed, and when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel, and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads in worship. One more observation. They believed God's plan revealed by Moses' arrival because then they knew they had been seen by God. And what does that drive them to do? Worship. Worship. Maybe the suffering people. Maybe what suffering people need most right now is to see that God cares for them. Sometimes the quiet of our loneliness lies the loudest to us. But God sees, God knows, and God cares. I got to tell you, we live in a world where many people wonder if God sees, God knows, and God cares. We need to be reminded that we serve a God who sees us, who knows what's in the next chapter, and who cares. Even when the next chapter of our lives is entitled, Our Moment of Despair, God is there. God sees, God knows, God cares. I find this interesting. Moses took an entire chapter to argue with God, saying, they'll never believe me. And in two verses, the elders fall down and worship when they see Moses. God is already doing something great, church. Sometimes we just need to keep our eyes open and trust that he is. The people were ready to receive the word of God. Unbelief responds and says, where have, I, where have you been in, in my life so far? But trust responds and says, I am humbled that you, God, see me. So what? Well, here's my question to you, and this is what I want to finish with. How do you respond to God turning the pages of your life? <laughs> Isn't that just such a painful question? Because you don't know what's coming, he does. You're not there yet, he is. It's like, God, just tell me, write it in the sky, he says, trust. How do you respond when God calls you to the next page? Remember, calling is any responsibility that God asks me to take on. And so how do we respond when God calls us to the next page? What page are you on? Survival mode? Maybe you're in survival mode in your current position. Survival mode is where the Israelites were at. They, they couldn't plan ahead. They were, they were slaves. What did they have to plan ahead for? They were, they were just surviving, just, just hoping to live another day. 
No Israelite would ever ask God, what is your calling in my life? Because quite frankly, they just hope to survive. Survival mode is just thinking about getting through the day with as little consequences as possible. Survival leads to desperation and despair leaves people to all kinds of bad behavior. Listen, the idea that survival mode will take you to is get what you can while you can get it. In other words, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And there's no future in that mode. That's living for the day. Trust means we believe God's in the next chapter, and it means faith takes us with confidence to what God has for us. Maybe you're in existing mode. This is the mode that Moses was in. Your current position is good enough. Moses has worked hard. He's made a name for himself. He has a wife. He has children. He has an income. Why does his world need to turn upside down? He had a plan for his future. He had a plan for his family. He had worked hard over 40 years getting this all into place. Why does he have to give it up now? Existing mode, people in this mode just exist. They're happy with where they're at and they try and hang on to it so they don't lose it. Don't get me wrong. They know eventually the page will turn, but they hope it reads exactly the same as the chapter they're in now. They know things are going to happen. Somebody's bound to get sick. Something's bound to break. Somebody's bound to blow something up in the house. But they really don't want to experience it. They fight like mad to stay in the chapter they're in and to make the next chapter exactly the same. They're afraid. Their questions are, what will happen to my family if I follow this calling? Which is what Moses said. What will happen to my savings if I follow this calling? What will happen to my reputation if I follow this calling? Church, what has happened to you because of coronavirus? Because of this isolation we're all going through? For, for, for me, this is my challenge. I just found out, and I have to tell you, Fountain View is not going to open until the week after Mother's Day. Can you believe that? That is forever. I know, and you're probably all typing in your in your uh, your chat groups right now. I can't believe it. We're not going to have church. So we're working on it. We're working on it. I don't know when this whole lift is going to happen. And Fountain View said they'll get back to us if there's a change. But I just talked to them this week, and they said, doesn't look like anything's changing until the week after Mother's Day. When I heard that, I felt like I got hit in the gut. I thought, I can't I can't do this for the next month, two months however long it is, almost two months. And my response began to reveal my heart. I want change. I want something different. I'm in the chapter I don't like. So let's either go back to the other chapter before or the next chapter afterwards, but let's get through this one. And it comes out in my attitude. I've been discovering that I'm sometimes just existing, trying to hang on until it's over and hoping that'll be pretty soon. And I got to tell you, church, I think where we're supposed to be is not hoping we just get through it, survive it, but maybe that we would grow through it, that we would learn something through it, that we would develop a new habit through it, that we would love God more because of it. I'd really get to like to get to the last one. And the last one is thriving mode. I'm ready for the next page kind of mode. This is, this is redeeming the time. It's, it's, it's the idea that 
God has me go through this page so I can go through the next page. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to make the most of it. I'm going to be the kind of Christian I need to be, the kind of dad I need to be, the kind of husband I need to be so that I can make it and I can be commended by God in the process. Look at Ephesians 5, verse 15. Look carefully, look carefully how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. Church, why? Because the days are evil. <laughs> Way back then and still today. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Look how this reads. Be wise about God's will revealed in your life. Make the best use of your time. The days are evil. The days are changing. They're changing all the time. So don't be foolish. Don't be foolish by fretting your way through life. Try to understand what God is teaching you as he reveals his will. Understand he is always up to something greater. And you just might be taken by surprise at what that greater thing is. So redeem the time, the time that God is giving to you now. Don't always be wishing for the weekend or the next month or the next page. This is where Moses should have been. This is the most comfortable spot for any believer. So my point is simply this. When you're called, lean in and obey. Lean into it and be obedient. Trusting is the antidote from getting to all of those worrisome feelings and fretting feelings and surviving mode. Trust is the antidote to get you to thriving. Church, you have been prepped for a time such as this. God knows your future already. You didn't know this. God planned for coronavirus to invade your life right now in 2020. You didn't know that. I didn't know that. He did. It's in the next chapter that you're reading now. He just didn't turn the page until now. But if we're here, God has equipped us to handle this crisis and any other one we face. God is asking you, church, and me to redeem this moment in human history. You're equipped for it. You're set up for it. He's prepped you for it, and he's prepped the environment for you. What are you going to do? How will you redeem it? Are you all in? All in is a poker term. I find it interesting as a poker term because it hits a crucial point in the game. You believe the cards that you're holding are going to get you across and help you win. And you put all of your faith in these cards. Whether they're winning cards or you're bluffing your way through, you're going to take these cards that you got in front of you and you're going to stake your reputation on these cards. You're going to stake everything to the point where if you don't win, you're out. You trust the cards that much. So you push everything you have onto the table. Moses kept one chip back, and that was his son. And church, that's the painful reality for many believers today. It's all in. No chips held back. Jesus said it this way, Mark 8.34, Mark If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Our lives are built on the faith that God sees and plans for what we are unable to see and what we are unable to plan for. I'll say that one more time. Our lives are built on the faith that God sees and plans for what we are unable to see and plan for. So church, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock,
I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. God is calling us, those who are listening to this sermon right now, so pay attention. He will clarify his call for you. And if you're willing to surrender your life to him, God's calling will take you through life. For some of you, maybe you need to give your life to Jesus Christ and surrender first. You've never done it before. Now's the time of salvation. And if you want to do that, you can jump online and you can fill out a card right there online. You can send us a prayer request and just tell us, hey, listen, I've given my life to Jesus Christ. Can I have a phone call? And one of the leadership of the church will call you. We'd be glad to help you, disciple you and help you understand the decision that you've made. Every step begin, every journey begins with the first step. And if you've never given, surrendered your life to Jesus and said, I'm done. I'm done trying to figure this all out. You take the reins. I got news for you. He already has them. It's just you that doesn't realize he does. Prepare yourself. You will face obstacles. Every person does. But like a NASCAR driver, lean into the turn and get speed all the way through. And know that these obstacles will expose deep areas of your heart. Admit, confess, receive forgiveness, and move on. God's mercies are new every morning. There's no ball you can drop so far that God can't pick it up. And finally, be confident. God will provide for you. In fact, he already has. God will never lead you to a place where you're alone. He'll never leave you in a place where you are vulnerable without his power surrounding you. He is your most valuable asset when everything else is gone. And even if you're losing your shirt through this coronavirus, or you're struggling with health through this coronavirus, or you're praying in desperation for a family member that's sick, that they don't have coronavirus, or maybe it's another crisis that's not common to the general world today. Know this, that God is on the next page, church. He's already there. He's beckoning us through. He says, trust me, I've got this. I won't lead you anywhere you can handle. And if you give me control, you'll find out what I can do. Can you imagine if Moses hadn't went to Egypt? Oh, we wouldn't have the plagues and those stories of God's power and his might. And Israel would have never bowed the knee to, to God. Expect obstacles, but grow through them. I have loved talking to you this morning. We're going to prepare for, for communion. Uh, and before we do that, we're going to sing a song of worship. Um, so worship with us, sing with us, and then jump back and we'll do communion together.